So hey everybody, uh, this is Jared uh, of normally Old Taku No Radio. Uh, I am joined uh, by, as usual, uh, my partner in crime, Inc. Sup. But also uh, joined by the the soft and spicy boys of the Anna Gamers podcast, uh, Evan. Hello. And Mr. David. Hello, everybody. And uh, what we wanted to do today guys was really just uh talk a little bit about kyoto animation not about the tragedy that unfolded over uh last week um you know there's there's lots of that in the news right now you can google it you can read up on it it's horrific uh the damage will be far-reaching and uh there's a lot of people hurting about it so one of the things we wanted to do just really to talk about Kyoto Animation's body of work and the impact it's had on each of us and our relationship with it. And uh, many of you guys had actually um, put in some comments, like some really thoughtful comments, just sharing your your own stories about uh, Kyoto Animation and wanted to relay those as well. So not a normal episode, no real rules here, just a conversation. And uh, yeah, so I guess I'll I'll kick it off. I kind of came into Kyoto Animation late, um, as I normally do. I'm, I'm famously late to the party for everything. That's that's my my, my brand. Um, I didn't really recognize uh, Kyoto Animation works until probably free. Oh wow, yeah, that is pretty late. Yeah, like despite the fact that they did things like Fumofu and Full Metal Panic: The Second Raid, and and even like watched it, uh, but didn't really realize that was Kyoto Animation. And you know, I guess Free was the first time I had really encountered him, despite the fact that that Haruhi was like a big deal, Kaon was a big deal. Like I had never uh, really encountered those works and engaged those works actually like full confession i still haven't seen either of those and i need to <laughs> wow for shame yeah i know it was like the work of a generation haruhi oh yeah Come on. haruhi for sure that's the sound of me getting suplexed guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah with uh with the creation of the new work uh, the melancholy of haruhi suzumiya it will be a new genre unto itself it's different different show but uh close enough <laughs> So uh, we'll be adding that to our queue for O&R, I guess. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, you know, I really, um, I've always liked the look and the style generally of their of their stuff from that period onward. You know, after that, I kind of I kind of got into just watching a lot more of their works beyond the boundary, you know, sound euphonium, Amagi Brilliant Park, uh, which I thought was like hmm, wow. better than Full Metal Panic. <laughs> I love that. Um of course, Sound Euphonium. The thing I think I've loved the most out of everything is Violet Evergarden. I, I forget if I think it was probably the Taiku podcast. They they did like a a best of 2018, and I ranted and raved about how great Violet Evergarden is, and it really is great, and everybody should see it. And to to sort of gear myself up mentally for today, I I started watching uh, Silent Voice, uh, the movie adaptation of that wonderful manga. Had you not seen that before? No, I had not. I I, I had been like really, really wanting to see it, missed out on my, I bought tickets to go see it in the movies when like they were doing like um, mm-hmm. showings of that. And then like subsequently was not able to go. So finally caught it on Netflix today and just cried the entire time. <laughs> it was, it was really good. It's not, it's not a one-to-one adaptation. They, they, they tightened it up a lot, but a lot of the same story beats are all there. And just, it was, it was really the, a, a great capstone to sort of, 
you know, get ready for, for this conversation. But like, I know we, we were talking ahead of, of recording, uh, Evan, you had mentioned that you, you had gotten into, or at least experienced some Kyoto animation stuff a little earlier than, than me. Yeah. Much, much earlier. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I kind of, you know, I've, I've talked on our podcast before about Kyoto animation and my era where I was interested in their work was, was much earlier. And I sort of was not interested in, in a lot of the more recent stuff, but, uh, but it was, uh, it was actually Haruhi. Yeah. That I watched like, I was going to say I watched a lot of, but I mean, there weren't, I actually didn't even watch all of it because I, I was like interested in Haruhi for the first season. And then when, uh, by the time like the second season and the movie came out, I had sort of moved on to other things, but I was, pretty into that that first season uh and i th- i think I, I i didn't watch a ton of other stuff i watched lucky star a little bit but never finished it um a little bit of nichi joe uh, and not much of the more recent kyoto animation uh things to be fair like lucky star was made to watch a little of and not really have to watch the whole thing mm-hmm. it was a bunch fair. of little skits yeah. it's four coma so right uh, but yeah, Haruhi came out when I was in high school, actually, <laughs> uh, and or around the time when I was in high school. And I I definitely watched it in my my high school anime club that I was the president of. And I was I was like a pusher of Haruhi. I remember I showed it to people Whoa. as like their first anime, wow. or like their first first anime in anime club kind of thing. That is surprising. See, Evan, you did have like you had a big effect on people's minds because Haruhi, <laughs> Haruhi was inescapable, and yeah. once it got its claws into you, it just did not let you go. It was one of those shows that I think like that was kind of my first glimpse into people overanalyzing cartoons. Oh yeah, oh yeah, because uh, there's a lot in it, and admittedly, it's pretty smart stuff. But um. Yeah, that was also the same time that I started watching like my first introduction to Kyoto Animation Works. And while Haruhi had like a big effect on me for the time being, the thing that really got me was Kayon. <laughs> I distinctly remember Evan when we first met. Like I told you, like, oh, I'm really into Kayon, and then you're like, please leave. <laughs> and that could have been the, the rest end. is history. Wow, <laughs> that could have been the end. Uh, K- uh, yeah, so Evan had like really. Evan was really judgmental, and what? I gotta mention this whole era. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. I used to be really judgmental, but not anymore. Yeah, totally I have reformed to, like, now. I have to, I have to put a certain error on blast because I think some people for like thought I forgot, but bitch, you thought I forgot when <laughs> anime used to have like this whole like moe pigs versus manime people, and like you know. It's really, really terrible to look at it in 2019, and you're like, wow, we're reinforcing gender roles via cartoons. Awesome. And now that I think about it, like, Kion, my interest in Kion, and just, like, the fact that I was really enthralled with people enjoying their lives in high school and being friends and all that, that, like, that was really cool to me. Like, I didn't really need to go all in on this other, like, cool stuff, like, you know, like Gynax robot shows like yeah that's pretty cool but Oof. you know Keon really spoke Ow. to me hmm. um so you know i feel like i like i feel i feel like in the end you know things changed people forgot you know it's not really anymore about you know the masculinity of your robot shows anymore you know it's you know people are more open to watching stuff like uh high speed free the movie and you know really enjoying it for you know for the sports 
obviously not not for the uh, extremely toned <laughs> muscular uh, boy bodies. Um, sure, sure. So things are better now, and you know we I kind of had to weather the storm for a bit there when you know I was into Kon and I didn't really like yeah I didn't really have like a good reasoning <laughs> at the moment then, but that was just because I wasn't really interested in like this whole thing where it's like yeah anime it's all like violence and guns and swords and stuff you know anime. What Keon really did for me was like, okay, anime can just be stories about people that, you know, they they grow close and they just kind of enjoy each other's time. Yeah, joking aside, that's a really great point. So I'm glad I didn't actually leave Evan there. You know, I, I forced Evan, I forced my ideals on Evan. Like, we can we can be friends. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get me to watch Keon, but we did end up uh, being friends. <laughs> <laughs> In spite of everything. I'm going to make you all disavow me as a friend right now and say my first KyoAni experience was uh, Air. And oh, Air. That's, isn't that the first wow. KyoAni show? I don't know. Air's really far back. Yeah. It was 2007? It's, it's one of the first. 2006? 2004. Clownhead Clown was like 2006, 2007, I think. 2005. 2005. I, I just came upon it, like, randomly. I, I don't remember how I came upon it, but... Um, I started watching and I remembered just, I, I specifically remember the adoptive mother figure specifically from the ending, um, and just sort of how real her relation to God, I don't even remember the characters anymore. It's been so long and I have yet to revisit it since I first watched it, but it stuck with me. So sort of her reaction to something her kid or adoptive kid did and Something something about the portrayal of these characters really stuck with me, and I think that's what Keanu really does well. Not Keanu, but Keanu. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Everything comes up Keanu, man. Yeah. Uh, it's sad Keanu. But, but something about the way they make the characters emotive and empathetic thereby just kind of really sticks with you. And, and no matter what work they do, whether it's trying to make you, like David said, trying to just enjoy the moment of high school life, or something a, a little more uh, metaphorical, but man, I like like Jared said, I I watched um, a Silent Voice today just to sort of prepare for this podcast, and that was the first time I've seen it, and so many people have raved about it. And ninety percent of that movie, what makes it so great, is just the the reactions, the animation behind the re- human reactions on the faces, and it's like, yeah, okay, I can feel this. You guys read the manga, right? No, or am I the only one? I read the whole manga. Yeah, yeah, same. Uh, I read it before before uh, watching the movie. Also, yeah, I feel like as somebody who enjoyed like the bit of the manga that I did read because I read quite a bit uh, before I just kind of dropped off. Uh, I don't know why I haven't seen that movie because that manga was pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's an excellent manga and it's an excellent movie. I mean, they're they're both really great. Um, I had two thoughts from from you guys' conversations. One is. David and Evan's meeting sounds like the kind of shit that happens in a comic book when two superheroes like <laughs> run into each other and they fight and then they join forces kind of later. Is, yeah, it's like literally the fucking Avengers. It's amazing. All right, since 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 we're doing flashback stuff, and this is only tangentially related to Kyoani, but I'm trying to remember, David, what's the actual origin story? We've talked about this on the podcast, wasn't it? That we were in the same dorm, we we're on the same floor, yeah. and it was like first day moving in, and you and our friend Steven, right? You were roommates yeah. in the mm-hmm. first year, but that was like sophomore year. But you 
had the door open and I can't remember if you were watching anime or talking about anime, but I, I yeah. think I just like wandered in. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably, it was probably what we were doing at that moment, at that moment. Cause what else is there to do in sophomore year besides play video games or watch anime? Yeah. Hang out to coffee <laughs> the, shops, go to rock yeah, shows. The two, you know. the two key things of the greatest podcast on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Playing video games and watching anime. <laughs> the other thought I had, was um, around Kaon, actually. You know, when you look at the earlier works of Kyo Eni, they, they seem to follow pretty close to like a, a character designer spec. You know, Fumofu and second season of Full Metal Panic, you know, they both they both look very much like the kind of the character designs I guess intended for Full Metal Panic. But Kaon, like I guess being mm. an original, it, it starts it, It's not original. Oh, it's no, not. It's ba- yeah, it's based on a manga. Well ba- being based on a manga it seems like they they start at that that point to like develop their own style if you know what i mean like yeah cuz i've read the manga and like the manga exists but the show really took it to a whole other level and you see that from their later works like Junibyo and Hyoka where that look starts to kind of come into its own like it's not just what they did for Kion now this is like they're sort of developing a universal style in in the uh in the studio but at the same time they were doing stuff like nichijo which looks more like nichijo which is also another really really yeah i was i was watching some of that earlier because i've only seen a an episode or two and it's really really accurate to the art style of adawi's original manga it is like scarily close to what the that manga would have been if it was actually coming into animation so, uh, Kaon, I mean, I'm not a, I, I'm don't claim to be an expert on the, the actual staffing, you know, and the, the particular, uh, staff who work at Kyoto Animation. Cause again, I, I hadn't really followed the studio that closely, but Kaon is notable. Like, I didn't even realize this until more recently that, uh, it was directed by Naoko Yamada, who is now one of their star directors. But I think at the time, I didn't really hear anybody talking about her as a big time director, but she directed a silent voice and a couple other uh, things, I believe. Well, a couple other things definitely, but I don't remember what the other ones are. Yeah. I can't really speak for that. Cause I don't really remember staffing on, on the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think she also did Liz in the Bluebird. So like two of those really big ones that, you know, a lot of people, you know, we, we heard from a lot of our listeners, right. And, and just seen people on social media, like those are two of the big recent ones that a lot of people connected with. Oh yeah, yeah. We we got a few comments about Liz and the Blue Bird, and then like you said, it, it felt like when people were talking about Kyoani, it kind of it kind of crystallized around UFO and Blue Bird and uh, Silent Voice for the most part. Is is the aging is the average age of the the aging fan uh, somewhat? in correlation to the appreciation of the more mature themes presented in their later works. Hmm. It's an interesting th- thought. It could be. A, a lot of their earlier stuff was proto-moe or just prime moe. No, just moe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, later on, they just started producing stuff that was either challenging, like, um, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. They adapted that manga and it was really fantastic for bringing like, uh, alternative or, you know, yeah, alternative relationships to uh, the forefront of mainstream media and in, in a, a thoroughly entertaining and vibrant way. And, um, you know, in works such as A Silent Voice, they were challenging, you know, themes such as, you know, 
bullying and uh, self-image and stuff like that. More mature themes. And it seems like they're, they're, you know, they have two distinct clubs in what they produce. They have the, the feel good Moe sort of stuff and they have the more challenging adult themed works. And I was wondering if, you know, the latter is more popular given the growing uh, age of the fan base. I think it might just be that they weren't making as much of that stuff earlier and they've kind of grown into trying to tackle some more, uh, I don't know, yeah, more more complex or maybe more mature themes in some of their more recent work, right? Because obviously they've grown a lot as a studio. If you go, in terms of production too, if you go back and watch Haruhi, I mean, it looks almost like it's made by a different studio. Hmm. Yeah, they're, they seem to be getting more sophisticated. I feel like there's a trajectory there. One of the things I appreciated about Violet Evergarden so much is that it's not set in a school, which so much, and I mean, not just KyoAni, right? But so much of their uh, body of work is set in a school. And it, it was really nice to see them get into sort of that, you know, Violet Evergarden, I guess, is just so different from pretty much anything else they've done. It's a It's an alternative history not really a fantasy, but but it's a it's like a historical feeling period drama about a child soldier, <laughs> you know, who who has been trained to not even see themselves as human, and like slowly, painfully over the course of lots of different trials and tribulations, begins to understand what it is to love, and 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 it's it's just a god, it's a beautiful story. I really really. Ah, oh, man. Yeah, that's probably my favorite series they've done. You're almost making me want to go watch this. It's so good, dude. Like, it is it is so good. And then, um, you know, they they had like a an OVA. It's on Netflix. Um, they had an OVA come out um, that's just kind of a side story. Um, and then there was, there, there's supposed to be a movie coming out in January of 2020. And I don't know what's going to happen with that now, but... Yeah, I, w- I would count on basically everything being pushed back and I mean, hopefully not canceled, but just the, the mm. number of people that they lost is it's really like right? we can't really determine, you know, right now what's going to happen. I, don't, I still don't think that there's an official statement from the uh, from the studio themselves. I think the director did. Well, I think the, the president has made a statement. Yeah, but it was in regards I, to the work that they lost. I feel like they really did lose the majority of whatever they were working. Yeah, they on. said everything on the computers. Yeah, and... they lost a lot of their production yeah, materials the, yeah. the the studio that burned down was like their was like the heart of their operation uh and so without dwelling on it too much it's it's you know it's kind of i, I don't want to say you know uh, there is no telling how long it's hard, gonna take hard to, to recover, recover from yeah like they yeah. lost they lost over half of their animators i think um i mean that's staggering to to imagine I think it was over half of the people in that building. I don't think it was. Yeah, because the there is studio. another building. But there is another studio. Yeah, yeah that's true. Right. I mean, it doesn't make it any better. I just, yeah, I think proportionally, it's it's a large proportion of the the people who right. were working in that uh, building. It's, I mean, yeah, and like definitely, like it's important to be factual. And thank you. Still, so much coming out, you know. But but there's really not been a lot of discussion about, you know, how. You know, there's there are efforts underway to help them, but there's not really they haven't come out and said, you know, here's how to help. Um, I, I did. Yeah, we should probably say this right now. Like, let's wait until they say something and there's more communication out from Japan saying, like, this is what you can do. This is what we want you to Definitely do. Definitely agree. 
and you know like that's not to like it's not to 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 put a, a negative light on anything that people are trying to do to help and and the and the spirit of where that's coming from i think it's commendable it just you know in a, in a situation like this um the emotional reaction is to is to do something but you want to do it right right we need to know what that something needs to be what's the most effective thing we can do and for the actual people yeah. right i mean because there's there's two separate things there right people i think want to help the studio get back on its feet and keep producing anime and keep employing people but also people want to i think it's probably the other way around right like we, we would want to give money to help the the victims sure. and the victims families um but both of those i think are things that people would want to help right yeah, you know, where my head's at with that right now is 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 I want to know how to help survivors. I want to know how to help the the families of those who have lost people. And right, there's a lot of you know, there's insurance. There's lots of things that will help the business, and that's great. Tell me how I can help people exactly if right, I can right, help right. people. And in the meantime, all I can do is what we're doing, you know, and just talk with respect and appreciation for for the body of work that they've that they've given us. Um, Ink is there. Is there a particular show that really resonated with you um, in their in their catalog? Uh, recently, just the the Silent Voice, which uh, you know I've heard every everybody talk about in a in a wonderful light uh, for its uh, highlighted bullying and uh, whatnot. But I was I was bullied very much so as a, uh, a overweight kid when I was young, so I appreciated uh, some of the, the the body representation in that show. Uh, especially with, I forget the, the character's name, but he had a big green fro. Uh, loved loved that character, understood his motivations almost instantly as uh, someone like him as when I was younger. Um, and just sort of really appreciated on whole the time they took to sort of institute the character's motivations, you know, whichever direction they were coming from, whoever the characters were, uh, they really drove home the fact that these weren't just stock characters. Everything came from something or because of something. And I, I appreciated that. That was that was really great. And in Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, what I really appreciated, despite all all the uh, uh, all the the cultural relevance, um, is just the fact that you know she was a great office lady drunk, and they really portrayed that fantastically. But her character wasn't just stock as well. It, it had a lot of intricate little emotions and uh, motivations. And yeah, I, I, I really enjoy how they brought those out in the anime. Any, any other, you know, I don't want to belabor the point, but any, any other kind of things you guys want to share about KyoAni's stuff before we go to some of the comments we've gotten from our listeners? Uh, I should probably do a confession about Haruhi that I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show, but uh, in my high school anime club that I mentioned before where I would show people it, I can't even remember who this was, but there were some people who were also really into Haruhi and convinced me to learn and perform the Hari Hari Yukai dance. <laughs> extremely <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, I hope there's a video. That is about Haruhi that sticks out in my head. I don't think there's a video, but if there was, I would probably put it out because it would be funny to release, Man. you know, in 2019. Who among us hasn't, ha hasn't done the Hara Harukai? This, by the way, I mean, I, I also just wanted to note, because I don't think we specifically touched on this, but the, the degree that Haruhi was a 
cultural phenomenon, like not just a pretty popular anime, right? I mean, I think anime fans nowadays barely even know what it is, but it was it was huge. It was like it was everywhere in Japan. From what I heard, I, I wasn't in Japan at the time, but it was almost like a like an Ava level thing where it it broke yeah. out of otaku culture and became like a mainstream cultural phenomenon. Closest thing to to the effect that Evangelion had. Mm-hmm. It was like. And, and like the Hari Hari Yukai dance was something people would be, they were doing it in Akihabara, right? And there were viral videos of people doing it and that kind of thing, like in the street in Akihabara. Even, even just the school uh, uniform color palette. Like I was at a convention where there was a panel showing a meme where there was just literally a square with the, the, the colors of the uniform. And I think it included yellow for the hairband. And the, the, the screen cap read something like, if you know what this anime is you're an otaku or something like that and of course i was right there i was like right. oh yeah that's haruhi <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, out of yourself as a big dude nerd. haruhiism that was the thing right haruhiism I mean, craze yeah they've had a they, i mean it's probably not the first instance of otaku pro- pilgrimages but a lot of those locations that were used in the show were very highly frequented by people who were fans of the show when they would come to for their japan trips or... yeah that was that was getting like it, it came out in 2009 which is right about when i started getting back into the fandom in earnest in 2006 yes yeah, it was, it was six hey. it might have been uh, maybe disappearance came out in 2009 a second season at least yeah so yeah like i guess by the time i got back into anime that was that was like a thing that in madoka Mag- magica i remember hearing a lot about both of those things when i got back into it a double whammy of David. Yeah. <laughs> 2006, I probably saw some of that stuff. Like, that that was the second time I was over there. It was 2006. I, I didn't really go. Oh, wow. Yeah, you would have you would have been exposed to Haruhi for sure if you were in Japan in 2006. I guess I didn't, like, register it. Like, I lived out in the woods, basically. And, and... <laughs> yeah, if you, maybe yeah. if you were oh, in yeah. Tokyo. Yeah, I guess. like, I did, go to, I, I did go to Akihabara, like, once or twice that second time. And, uh... I didn't even I didn't even live on Honshu that second time. Yeah, I literally can't think of anything else from 2006. <laughs> that was it. Uh, Code Geass, I think. I think Code Geass came out in 06. Yeah. Oh, you know what's also notable about Haruhi, just because I'm, I'm putting my anime history hat on here, is that it is kind of patient zero for the modern light novel craze. And I think somebody from Satellite or something had specifically said that, that the success of Haruhi as an adaptation of a light novel was like what kicked that off was producers went, oh, we need the next Haruhi. And so you got this whole industry of people turning light novels into anime. Yeah, and surprisingly, Kyoto Animation ended up being like a trailblazer for things like that, kind of like trends that would show well, up. Well, actually, they also, I mean, not not to tie it back too much to the, the actual tragedy, but it... it I guess I didn't, I didn't think of this when I mentioned it, but that is purportedly part of the um, the motive for the the arson in the first place. Is the guy I think I don't I don't think I've seen details on it other than the fact that he said that he claims that they stole his novel, but I it sounds like he submitted his novel to their light novel contest that they would use to translate you know the winners into anime. And the guy claims that they stole his idea. Obviously, the guy's the guy's insane, right? So I think what what Evans just committed to you guys is if we can get enough patrons, um, we might be able to get him to do that dance for us on on video. 
<laughs> I don't remember how to do it. I would have to relearn uh, it. It's gone well, we'll from my you. brain. I what is still we'll in my you. brain is the the time when uh, another friend in high school taught me how to do a bunch of Naruto jutsu. Oh, That's still in there. Can't get rid of it. Wow. I know the army That's is even trying harder. to deal with Naruto <laughs> runners as we speak. So that's true. Uh, that you know, that's that's a very powerful skill. Evan's a sleeper agent. Contractual or no, I also want to give uh, Keanu props for uh, animating the Endless Eight arc, and actually bringing that to. Yeah, oh, like, mad props. When I was when I was going through that, I was just like, "Really? You're going? You're no? You're sticking? Oh wow! You got the balls to do yeah. that? Yeah." <laughs> I'm. I'm. Just, I somehow never saw it. I somehow never saw Endless Eight. It's the it's the right time. We're coming up to August, the uh, the end of summer vacation. You still haven't done your your summer homework. Uh, you're going you're going back to the beginning, bitch. Going back to the loop. It's kind of brilliant. I think I've seen it like three times. We got a lot of comments. We did, um, and like there there's some fairly long form comments too. So I I want to try to I want to try to get. We got to take our time yeah. to read all these. I uh, I should I should point out. For anybody who's wondering, well, where were you getting these comments from? Uh, we did it in our Discord, so you can join that. You can find that on antigamers.com if you want to join. And please do. Like, we we want to interact with people there and talk there. And, and we have, like, a, a, a small but fierce and dedicated uh, group of folks uh, having some pretty cool conversations that I definitely uh, want to get more <laughs> involved in. Um, but, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things, you know, kind of echoing back uh, to... to uh, you ink and what you had said about Dragon Maid. Billy Denton uh, said, I, I appreciate Dragon Maid for what it did to help normalize queer romance in anime, as well as being a good show uh, with a lot of heart and love, Chunibio, and other delusions for being a show about escapism that neither panders to its audience nor judges its characters too harshly. Sorry, Billy. You also said, I also enjoyed Myriad Keller's Phantom World, but please don't tell anyone I said that. Well, you're on recording now. Sorry, bud. You could have um, just said a certain someone said. <laughs> we'll, we'll just bleep out some uh, some of it. We'll, yeah, we'll fix yeah. it in post. B star, 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 <laughs> D star, star, star. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think that's I think that's pretty cool. Like, And I think you definitely see more exploration of, of more queer themes or queer subtext in a lot of their 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 later works, you know, like Dragon Maid, um, you know, Euphonium. There's there's a lot of talk about the queer subtext in that. Liz, so I've heard, but I haven't seen it. That was another huge breakthrough show for them too. Sound Euphonium. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. People people really like I I like that show a lot, but there are people like that love that they, that is their that is like everything you know obviously it resonated with a lot of people like i feel like i saw sound euphonium and now i know what like going to band camp is like you know the next uh the next comment uh comes from Anazel. my love for kyo annie burns deep as anyone knows that has listened for a while um i've always pushed for evan and david to review their shows so we'll definitely have <laughs> yeah. to talk more about that i guess Hey David, Evan, review more Keoani shows. Right. I, I, I that was clever how they slipped that in there. <laughs> um, he goes on to say, I think my first Keoani show might have been uh, Beyond the Boundary. Oh, which is good, which blew me away with its beautiful imagery. I liked Beyond the Boundary a lot. Yeah, it has a sort of blood bending premise, right? Yeah. 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 She's she's got like a blood bending sword. I like the more psychological aspect towards the end, and I never got the follow through because I don't think they continued with that aspect the the big boss at the end 
where everyone was just kind of absorbed in their own self-consciousness. And I was like, oh, that's fucking amazing. And then they stopped the anime. I think there is a movie. It's called Even Even Further Beyond the Boundary. <laughs> Beyond the Boundary, I'll Be Here. Yeah, I don't know if that like finishes the, the story or, or what. You know, because a lot, a lot of their movies they do are like recaps, but I, I'd be curious to know if Beyond the Boundary, that movie actually finishes it up. Because, yeah, you're right. It kind of like it ends on a weird kind of like there's more or there should be more. And as it goes on further to say, uh, then I saw Fumofu after I was hooked from the on onset, maybe. Um, Violet Evergarden is probably the most beautiful show ever made, in my opinion. It's really, really nice. Uh, that those are strong words. Big, yeah, that's that's big money to lay down. I mean, I just, I just, no, I just finished watching all all, all the Evangelion, so I'm gonna say <laughs> that those are strong words. Yeah, um, it is really gorgeous though. Um, and he, and he he also wanted to echo what Billy said about Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Free was one of my first introductions into sports anime. Start. That's interesting. That's that's a that's a hell of an entry, uh, and that's how he's he's kind of into the genre now because of it. You know what? I'll actually agree with him. I I don't think I was huge into sports anime before Chihai Furu or Free, which are two really very different. Yeah. yeah, Free is a great sports anime. Like it's got everything you want in a sports anime. Like in terms really, of the, it's... the structure and the tropes and like the execution thereof. Like like it's it's solid it's it's how i learned to appreciate the the contrivance of the drama above the uh the focus the sport of focus right, it's right. like oh okay well sure it's a sport but it's really about the the drama behind the people in the sport and we got to mention the original swimming trailer i don't know if you guys remember that how people freaked out oh, nobody expected that yeah, yeah. that was just dropped on everybody I almost want to say it was like an April Fool's thing, but well, it's 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 also notable because before that, you know, I think maybe fans who weren't following KyoAni, there know, was no interest because they just K-On. This, but right, they people just had knew K-On them as the Kon and Haruhi, the the Moe Girl Studio, and so Free was kind of a big deal because I, I think when I was you know being a little bit cynical about it, it was like, all right, well they've they've discovered the other perversion they can do right and so it's like you know cool. they're, they're exploiting the other perversion they're not uh, equal opportunity <laughs> with it. our with our perverts right there 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 is a there is another kind of thirst and there it is yeah um thirst is universal yeah well that's that's what kyoani discovered is uh, you know or or it was a turning point on there yeah yeah it wasn't <laughs> like it was an actual <laughs> turning point and with that like after that trailer had happened that's when i feel like people really started getting on board with uh, kyoto animation like strangely enough that was when i was starting to leave because they did stuff like uh chunibyo and beyond the boundary which like beyond the boundary mm-hmm. was kind of a weak show and i was just like ah, eh, maybe they're, they're kind of losing it mm-hmm. i wasn't super interested in Kyoka either although i like kind of sat through it uh, but I didn't really get it, so that's kind of why I fell off, and why I imagined that I had sort of a complicated relationship with the studio, just because I would see the new things that they would come out with, and would be too impressed, and be like, well, compared to K-On, and it was just like, that was just my thing, just kind of constantly comparing things to K-On, which I felt was a peak performance from them. Mm. Yeah, go watch Violet Evergarden, man. I think. I, think I mean, you're selling it. me on it. You like the more you talk about it. <laughs> you, I mean, if you liked if you liked Kon, you should probably specifically seek out the Naoko Yamada stuff, right? Because she's the director, and now she's like a a big time director there. So, so so Inazel really, really, really likes Kyoani, 
he he name he name checks off like a lot of their properties. He you know he really liked a silent voice, Liz the Blue Bird. You know he 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 says I don't think I would be as much of an otaku as I am if it weren't for KyoAni since they're my favorite studio and and it breaks my heart that this happened. I hope that our strong community steps up and supports the hell out of them in these tragic times, and that when the time comes they'll make it through this tragedy. Amen. Um, That's what we want. Dear old pancakes and sex. Um, oh, my favorite, my favorite name I, I in, mean, uh, in the Discord. Yeah, Discord name champion, Pancakes and Sex, comes in with the following. I appreciate Endless 8 for having the balls to go all in on a summer-long, super expensive practical joke at literally everyone's expense. <laughs> and with that, he has sold me on, or she, I'm not sure, has sold me on, um, yeah, checking that out, because that sounds like the elevator yeah, pitch they I went, needed. They went well, all in on the <laughs> I don't think it was so much as a... I don't think it was so much of a practical joke as, you know, really a, an exercise in what the medium could do with variance on a theme. And it was an expression and well, it became and, it, art. and and if if you remember Haruhi also did its own experimentation because the episodes were aired out of order. Oh, that's people. right. Oh, yeah. yeah, we've got we've got some serious opinions on broadcast order versus yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Uh, home video release. I'm not gonna say which one's right because everybody should know which one's the right order. Yeah, I was uh, I was definitely a broadcast order person because I liked how weird it was to watch things out of order. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pancakes and sex also mentions um, that that and, and maybe maybe this kind of echoes you a little bit, David. Like they mostly mm-hmm. drifted into key visual arts adaptations after Hari He Full Metal Panic Second Raid, and I lost interest in most of their stuff. Violet Evergarden and Hyoka are still on my list to watch finish. Absolutely watch Violet Evergarden. I, I would like to watch Hyoka because if it's like a detective thing, I'm kind of kind of there. I think Hyoka probably aged better. Like uh, I've just noticed that a lot of the things that I enjoyed or didn't enjoy in like maybe close to it's close to ten years ago. Uh, I've just got a different. I'm just got a different, completely different mindset of how i read into things so i might <laughs> i might actually enjoy hyoka this time around mm. I'm just not ready for it when it came That's out fair. yeah the last comment that pancakes and sex had was i wish dragon maid was enjoyable without caveats like monogatari hey but but it's also one of their more standout recent productions so yeah like there's i, I remember there being some some talk about some of the stuff with dragon maid um look everybody's <laughs> problematic <laughs> yeah yeah including all everybody's got a call out post (laughs) um reverend tobias who i just saw uh literally yesterday at hamacon the final hamacon poor little out for hamacon um has the following uh that he sent in uh their character work is just masterful uh nichi joe gave me renewed faith in anime comedy after being burned out for a few years uh, the animation is snappy and actively contributes to the comedy in ways that its contemporaries largely failed to do. I agree. From the little I've watched of it, I was I, I'm oh I've every time that I've watched like bits and pieces of it, I'm always really impressed with the timing, especially in Nichijou. You just got to see the gif of the principal German suplexing a deer. That's I don't know it. if I've actually seen that scene wow. in the anime, but I've read wow. it in the manga. So I do know this. It's really, yeah. it's really good. I remember dropping that really early on because I thought their timing was actually horrible. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of want to go back now and watch it now that I've kind of understand four coma a little more and would like to see. Mm, right, right, right. It's definitely, well, it's not a four coma actually. Oh, really? Nichijou is, 
it, it has a bunch of different formats in the manga. Like some of them are, I think, just like a, a single panel or, or like two panels mm. and stuff. But they are they are short snippets of comedy. Interesting. I sure hope. Let me get it off my shelf. I hope hey, I are you I'm right? Not misremembering Matt. <laughs> are you are you making things up? Get it right. Oh, I totally trust you more than me. I've never okay, read. I the just open it up and check. <laughs> so. Nichijo, Nichijo is not a four coma. I just checked. It's it's traditional manga style. Nichijo's Nichijo's made by oh god, um, the mangaka did something else. It's like really popular too. It's Keichi Adawi. Uh, he did see, um, his recent manga that I think is currently being published is City, mm-hmm. and he did Helvetica Standard. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Is referenced in Nichijou. Mm. Yeah, that was the one I was trying to think of. Um, I have not read Helvetica Standard, but the, everybody I know that that has like that is their true religion. Um, also, uh, did graphic designers. Tobias uh, pretty much lines up with me on a silent voice. He, he, he says, a silent voice still leaves me a sobbing mess. And while the core of the movie is an adapted work, a large part of that impact is seeing its characters' trauma acted so well in animation. QAnnie was able to elevate that sheer emotion and portray it in such a beautiful, raw manner. Yeah, I largely agree with that. Like, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still like right off one watch. And if I watch a movie, I like to, I like to get a couple of swings at it to, to really to get past the emotion and, and get a little bit more clinical the second or third time around. But the, the, the nuanced kind of expressions and the shifts and the, the body posture and everything. So much about a silent voice is about, you know, communicating without words. Appropriately. Um, yeah, appropriately. Right. Uh, and not only do they, do they do that through the use of sign language, but they, it, just so much in the characterization uh, comes through and you really get a strong sense of character from each of the, the main, you know, breakfast club like collection of teenagers that's in that, that's in that movie. Um, it, it's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really well done. Um, and then I think we've got a couple more. So, um, and thank you guys so much. Like this, this is like, we really appreciate this. And like, this is like kind of, really what we wanted to do is just, you know, as much as possible, kind of have you guys in the conversation. Um, so to I, if I'm saying that right, cause I'm, th- I'm saying, I'm thinking I like love. So I'm, I'm just going to roll with it. Um, to I said, um, I joined an otaku adjacent club in university, which I am dying to know what that could be. Um, and met a bunch of people. But, but watching Dragon Maid with them every week as it aired was what really made me connect and make friends with them. Nietzsche Joe was similarly the ultimate put it on while we hang out show for a whole, for a, for a previous anime club. And Clonade is one of the few shows I've watched in full with my whole family. Clonade is also maybe the only show to make me cry both times I watched it. Every so often I go back to the sunflower scene just to check. And it brings tears every time. And none of us have mentioned Clonade. See, I thought he was just crying because of the ending. <laughs> I've noticed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of it. I don't think I have anything worth saying on this podcast about Clonade. <laughs> uh, yeah, like I, I not. I've never really been like really compelled to to watch it myself. Um, you know, I know it's an adaptation of like a 
uh, visual novel. I, yeah, I was about awesome. to mention, like, among the four here, like, I am the, kind of the visual novel person. <laughs> so right, right. I should be a little <laughs> bit more informed, but I think that kind of fell out of my area of expertise just because I found Kyoto Animation as the people that did Haruki and Kion. And their key stuff was before that. And it was like, you know, they're they kind of jokes about the uh, character design, how, like, the eyes were so far apart from like the nose and it was like oh that's funny i can't i can't take this seriously I, anymore i did make <laughs> those jokes yeah we were really we we really really drove those jokes into the crowd <laughs> I, I actually watched all of clinad but uh was it clinad? oh no i'm thinking sorry totally think of another anime that's the agoo one is it or is that canon yeah canon maybe canon no, Kanan, Kanan, yeah. Kanan, Kanan is the one with the tight moon Nasu uh, saber face yeah, yeah. girl who shoots a gun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everything's saber yeah. face now, though. I mean, everyone's got saber face. How can you not love <laughs> saber face? Our last comment was from Jack Leveled Up, which congratulations, Jack. <laughs> Welcome to level two, dude. <laughs> Terrible. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I might be too late to the cutoff on the QA discussion. No, actually, you're not. But I wanted to leave my thoughts either way. Uh, something I've always respected in QA's work is the way they depict their character's mental state. Hyoka and A Silent Voice are my favorites in that regard, but you see it in many of their works, even the more lighthearted ones like Chunibyo or, and Tamako Love Story. Their use of visual metaphors are often the most stunningly animated parts of each work, uh, representing the character's growth, triumph, or anguish. Maybe it's corny, but I've always found these scenes incredibly helpful in conceptualizing my own stresses and anxieties. At their best, KyoAni's works give me a sense of clarity with my own mental state and give me the feeling that I'm capable of meaningful change and growth. That's a hell of an endorsement. Seriously? Yeah, wow. There's a very interesting point that Jack raises about the way they portray mental health in their in their shows. Like that is That is a recurring theme through many of their shows i uh, just about all the ones i've seen um you know again violet evergarden very much in that theme um you know silent voice uh it really kind of takes that in a in a really visceral way head on you know free less so to be fair sound euphonium i think is more like about a coming of age uh kind of story um but but there's you know, there, there's some people wrestling with some real powerful emotion in in that uh, in that series of shows. And um, you Ink, you mentioned the end of Beyond the Boundary, where they kind of get in their own heads. Um, and yeah, so like, I think that's a really interesting thought, and um, I, I'd like to kind of examine some of their some of the other works that I haven't seen through that lens and see kind of where that leads. Any closing thoughts on uh, KyoAni as a studio or just in general? Um, Evan, you want to you kick that off? Sure. Yeah, I mean, so you were saying that you want to go back and check out more of their stuff, and, and that's definitely something I would say, too. Um, I was admittedly kind of resistant to watching some KyoAni shows, but as, especially considering this now, uh, I would like to give the you know some of these shows another try and especially ones that i liked but never finished like nichi joe and lucky star i think the big thing that i've been thinking about as someone who to be entirely honest again if you've listened to the show you know that as like a critic i was not always a big fan of kyoto animation 
but I think that there there's that there's like you know not being a fan of it and then there's there's all the great stuff where people are you know doing like like you're do, like you did on this show thanks for organizing this jared right like organizing tributes to kyoto animation people talking about all the shows that they love and all that is great but i i guess i just want to leave people with uh, just kind of making clear that the human tragedy here uh it doesn't depend on whether you liked the shows or didn't like them, right? I mean, it's 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 definitely really tragic to for people who made things that you love to die or get hurt. Um, but it's like I am really pissed and sad about this too, as someone who who didn't even particularly like the cartoons that they drew, right? But like, I would I would give a whole lot to live in a world where all 33 of those people were still alive making cartoons that I might not personally like. So that's kind of what I've been thinking about. I feel like I want to follow up on that because when I first heard about it, like I didn't really know what emotion first to process and it's just been kind of miserable, even though they haven't really been in the forefront of my mind as like a, uh, a group of creators that I was actively following. But just the, just the simple act of trying to take down and destroy these people that were making things that they clearly enjoyed making like it kind of felt like an attack in general on on like you know anybody that makes something that they shouldn't really have to like fear for their lives for yeah for making exactly. what they exactly. what they want to make and i've just i've just been thinking you know i don't want to get like super negative but it's like oh god the this world that we live in that we occupy that we have to like we have no other choice but to live in this world and you know i'm just thinking like what else is there what like what what other what powers do i have to just make this world more you know more uh just a place that you can actually exist in and create something so it's it's it just it just it's it's still like snowballing for me and it's i don't know i don't know when i'm just finally gonna have an idea of like as somebody who on like you know in my own in my own world I, i'm i create things like i have to now live and think about what happened to kyoto animation while i make stuff and i think like okay maybe somebody's gonna be upset with me are they gonna be upset with me on on this sort of level and you know I, nobody wants to live with that sort of paranoia so i'm just kind of like wondering like okay when when am when is it gonna be when am i gonna be all right because i felt like even even without this uh even without like the personal involvement in their work like i still feel very affected by what happened to them because it's just it's so it's such it's such a shock like why like why them well, i think on on that note something else that is that we haven't really talked about here that to me makes this whole thing especially just you know uh horrible is that kyoto animation of all of the studios right like you so it's like why them they i, I don't think this had anything to do with it but it, it so happens that they are one of the few studios that has treated their employees very well they actually have employees instead of an army of freelancers they've reportedly they pay people really well they give them training they've uh, given a lot of opportunities to female creators who don't always get the same opportunities elsewhere like you know for all what whatever opinion you have of of their their 
like shows and their output like as a company and as a group of creators they were they were doing really good work and they were in a lot of ways i think like a a good example for the rest of the industry and it just yeah especially horrible to see something this this bad happened to a studio that was so good in and so I think many the, ways. the coupling of those two aspects both the fact that the studio was good to the people who were producing for them and the fact that in general these are a group of people who did nothing more than produce worlds for people to enjoy they produced entertainment they literally gave nothing but giving um and you know for something to happen like that is easily identifiable for all of us on this podcast as creators uh i know you uh evan and david create visually uh as well as uh via story uh jared and i are a little more story centric um but all of us, I think, are going to agree, like, when you have to create, you have to create. And if someone's going to employ you to do it, that's fantastic. And that this company did it for so many people or allowed so many people to do it. It's yeah. a miracle. It's nothing short yeah. of that. It, it's yeah. wonderful. And for this to happen to that sort of company, and this could happen to any, absolutely any company, but that this was such a standout company for this to happen to, it's it's... I, when I was reading the depictions of, of the tragedy, I, I actually shed a few tears over the news stories as I was reading them because it's, it's, uh, we're fellow creatives. Yeah, I couldn't even bear to follow it as it was happening because I, I, was, I was there, essentially. Like, you know, I was seeing like the first posts as they were made, and they just kept on coming. And I was like, when, when is it just going to level out? And it really didn't for, for some time. Like many tragic things that have happened. Uh, you know, this is one of those that you see the initial news of it and you see things just getting worse and worse and it feels like a nightmare. And, you know, it's a really, it's a, uh, it's, it's, it's a world's in a lot of pain right now. Um, not just in the anime world, but, but all over there's, you know, there, this is a more uneasy and uncertain and dangerous time than a lot of us ever thought we'd see. And, um, you know, I, I was sharing this with Evan earlier uh, in, in the week, but when this all started happening, it took me back to 2011 um, when the earthquake and tsunami happened. And, you know, I, being, you know, 14, 15 hours away time-wise from my friends and extended family uh, back in Ibaraki, uh, you know, and then being, you know, halfway across the planet, you know, I felt just extra helpless um, and and just spent a lot of my time just, you know, looking, looking through Twitter and, you know, with, with my computer and then, like, trying to call people and, and text and just see if, you know, if they're okay. And, and that, that initial, that initial block of time when something like this happens and, and it hits close to home. And I know it did for, for several people in our community. Um, it really is, is hellish. And, you know, just seeing over the, the last few days, the, the pain, uh, that so many people have expressed and the heartbreak, uh, is really, it's been very affecting. 
And, um, you know, the only thing I think we can do in a time like this is really just meet this kind of horror with compassion and with love and, you know, take care of the people that mean something to you in your life and, and let them know how you feel and, you know, be good to each other in, in this weeb community of ours, you know? Because it really matters, you know, even like a small, like just a small gesture really does matter. Some people, like people will really think about it, even if you think it's worth nothing, people will hold on to it. Yeah. The cartoons are secondary to the humanity. Life. That we share. <laughs> yeah. I guess it's something just to, to kind of, to, to bring us to a close. There is, there is some cool and I think hopeful things coming from um, Hatasan, the, um, the, the CEO of KyoAni. He, he mentioned that they're, they're looking at um, demolishing Studio One, what's left of it, and, and building a, a public park and a monument in place of it. Oh, I didn't hear that. That's like like what they did in uh, Hiroshima, actually. Yeah. The Peace Memorial yeah. Park. That's, and it's yeah. a beautiful, I think, statement. And and I, I that's something I, I really hope comes to pass. But he does also mention that the the worldwide messages that they've been getting um, have become their emotional support. And so, you know, even if you can't, you know, immediately donate your your time or your money to to an effort to help them i think there's that pray for kyo annie hashtag that's been going around on twitter uh for several days now and i think that that's something that they're probably looking at and i would absolutely recommend and encourage everybody to uh send those messages uh out into the interwebs with that hashtag in the hopes that they see them because that that helps so much in times like this it lets them know that they're actually reaching people and that's what an artist really wants is they just want to connect like they have to tell stories but seeing that those stories connect with people and that it means something to those people really does mean a hell of a lot to an artist so no matter how corny you might think it is just express some love with the hashtag they might see it and with that um we will get back to our regularly scheduled program programming on all fronts uh in the not too distant future, I know uh, the boys are all going to Otakon, except uh, this boy. I don't know if I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> okay, half of Annie Gamers <laughs> will be there at least. Um, but uh, say hello yeah. if you're there. And uh, until next time, thanks so much.